The following is a presentation of Muddy River News. A great night's sleep starts at Harvey's Furniture. Check out the large selection of complete bedroom sets. And when it comes to mattresses, we have a full selection from Bemco, Spring Air, and Chatham and Wells. Harvey's Furniture, our home, your home. The Liquor Booth is your home for a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits. The Liquor Booth has two locations in Quincy, 3520 Broadway and 1500 North 12th Street. The Liquor Booth, where it's always happy hour. Welcome to The Daily Muddy. I'm Bob Goff with Dr. Julia Montejo from Blessing. Welcome. You are an allergy specialist, and we are going to talk about food allergies as kids head back to school. Absolutely. So just like going back to school for, you know, notebooks and Kleenex and probably hand sanitizers and everything else, with kids who have food allergies, another thing to check off the list is their EpiPens, their inductors, food action plans, mm -hmm. so just being ready to be safe. Make sure that peanut butter is away from them. Well, it's one of the major eight food allergens, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we, uh, we've got uh, friends of ours whose son's had a peanut butter allergy, for, you know, for years, and they've always, you know, when he comes over, make sure it's put away, wiped off, all that stuff. So, yeah. but yeah, that's, I know that's one of the big ones. What are some of the other ones that people might not know about? Well, we, we always think about peanut. Of course, we think about peanut and tree nut are two of the big ones, milk, egg, soy, wheat, fish, shellfish, and sesame seed is an up-and-comer, if you want to call it wow, that. Wow, really? More, more, wheat, more, uh, more often coming up now. Okay, shellfish, I, I knew. The yeah. others were kind of, oh, okay, that's neat. So it's basically anything and everything. But so there's some <laughs> things, you know, I mean, certainly we think peanut, nut, again, like the nuts themselves, you know, mm. I always say peanuts and nuts. And yes, peanuts are a legume, not a nut per se, but <laughs> it's all right. anywho. Um, so it's not, right? Peanut. Exactly. Right? But, you know, when it comes down to the nitty gritties, you know, as I, as I do. Techie techie, I get yeah, it. Yeah, very particular. So. <laughs> But I think with the back-to-school ideas, many children who are going back to school already have or have currently the diagnosis of a food allergy. And for those who do, we really want to focus on, you know, it's called safety first. You know, be prepared for what I call the worst-case scenario um, by, of course, avoiding any foods that you know you have an allergy to. Um, having a food action plan or food allergy action plan, uh, which will include basically, it's very simple. I brought one with me, right. they're free, and your physician or allergist will fill them out. And for children, of course, who have asthma, they may have more severe reactions, so you have to be prepared with that as well. But as I tell my children, my kiddos, I always kind of run them through like a what if scenario. And I say, what if somebody hands you some cookies or crackers or something? And, you know, children are very conditioned to say yes or mm -hmm, thank you sure. or whatever. And I say, you know, it's okay to say no thank you. Or let me check with my, my parent. But in another case, no. <laughs> so <laughs> right. they don't put them on the spot, you know. And I think children want to be friendly and accepting. But sure. once they get to a certain developmental age, usually six, eight, nine years old, they very much go into that rule following. That's like the whole elf on the shelf stage where they're very mm -hmm. much, you know, into following the rules and things. So kids will be much more proactive at that age about, what does that have? You know, oh, I sure. can't have that. Where much younger children may not be able to verbalize that or they're not really sure. They just know somebody's eating something yummy and they want it. So. Right. I mean, especially, I mean, you know, peanut butter is like, like Lee said, is the one that peanuts, peanut butter is the one that everybody like thinks about. Yeah. But all oh, the other ones, you just got to be careful because you just never know. Yeah. And they're equally as life-threatening in the right, in the wrong scenario. So they have the right scenario, but the wrong scenario. Mm -hmm. So being, if they know they have the sweet allergies and they go to school, you know, I, I really firmly believe that nobody really wants to harm, you know, a, a, a child as a, as a in the school or don't want to harm their neighbor or they want to harm the child they're babysitting. Mm -hmm. um, and so think about one in the, the average is one in 13 children of school-age children will have a food allergy. 
So if you think about a class size of, you know, 20 something to 30, that's two to three children with a food allergy. And 25% of those can be quite severe when they occur. So you can't always say, well, it was fine this time, it'll be fine the next, or it wasn't so bad, or it was horrible, and every time it gets worse, every person is very individual. Every scenario is an individual scenario. So we don't want to make any broad sweeps, you know, sweeping statements. Also, say, you know, the, 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 product, the, the protective parent who packs their kid, kid's lunch every day and makes sure it's safe, and that kid goes to school with his lunch, mm-hmm. the kid also has to be aware, and, and maybe the people in the cafeteria have to be aware, hey, don't have little Johnny sit next to little Jimmy if Jimmy's got, you know, the peanut butter that Johnny can't yeah. have. I, I think it's tough because I think for quite a while, um, I think people were, it's like anything, we go in pendulum, we kind of overprotect and then we underprotect, or we go, oh, it's no big deal. Oh, I, my parents, you know, their kids, you know, a lot of times grandparents will say, ah, we never had all these food allergies. What are these, these kids complaining mm-hmm. about? You know, they're having that stuff when I was a kid. They're just making a big deal of nothing. To maybe a parent who has, you know, a child or children who have a food allergy that are very protective. And I, and I tell them being protective is, is good. And when they have a new diagnosis of a food allergy, frankly, it scares them quite a bit. It's, sure. They think of the worst case scenarios. They hear... I say, don't go home and go on the internet tonight. I said, or I give them a couple of good, you know, websites to go on. I said, just think about it like reading a novel. Read a chapter at a time. Try to absorb it. Don't panic. Call me if you panic. You know, we'll walk you through it. But I said, you know, really, it's all about if you know what you have the food allergy to, we can avoid it. And it's not no longer it, a mystery. But it's really not a new thing because I mean, my uh, younger brother uh, in the late '70s, early '80s was diagnosed with like a two dozen food allergies including like strawberries and chocolate and i mean yeah, he had a really extreme case you, there's, there's a, that's a whole thing but many people how they're tested you shouldn't just test them you know being positive for say oh you're food allergic based on a test whether right. it's a skin test or blood test it's all driven by you consume the food what happens i don't care what a test shows if mm-hmm. you eat that food in front of me and i'm like well that test is baloney you know it's all really based on their symptoms so that's why i spend so long saying you ate this, what happened? Did you eat it again? You did. What happened? Oh, you didn't. Don't we still kind of run them through all these different scenarios? So, yeah, there have been food allergies around forever, but there really has been an uptick. And mm-hmm. part of it, well, are we just being more helicoptery? Are we just overdiagnosing? No, it, it, there truly is an increase. So there's different theories called the hygiene hypothesis. You know, we're too clean and we should be more dirty. And, and there is something to that in a, in a more scientific version of that is that very early on our immune system is not exposed to you know, things like bacteria and endotoxins and, you know, farm animals like we were you know, many eons ago when everybody was mm-hmm. on the farm, you know, that our immune system may kind of change course and may kind of focus on other things. So like things that are food, which should not be a big deal. So yeah, food allergies definitely have ticked up. And it didn't help that, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, they were saying, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics was saying, well, it's probably a good idea not to introduce these foods to like they're I don't know, a couple years old, maybe, I don't know. But there was no data behind that at all. Sure. So they finally did the studies that said, look, you know, we did something called the LEAP study, which showed basically introducing peanut much younger early on if you had no history of that food allergy and, not, and some other criteria. Because they noticed in Israel, who's a very Western industrialized country, just like us, you know, not so different. They didn't, they did not have the rates of peanut allergy that America or Western Europe did mm-hmm. at all. They had sesame allergy because they introduced peanut much younger in the right. diet. Um, wrapping up here. Yeah. So what happens when little Jimmy eats that peanut butter cookie? He should have his EpiPen with him if his parents know, right? He should have it in his bag. The schools Are the schools yeah, getting it, better about having the EpiPens handy, all that stuff? Yeah, in general, it's it very state to state, but very much, I think now they basically have, um, and I don't want to overspeak because I've lived in Massachusetts before this, but 
EpiPens, we, most of the time, told, they don't allow little little kids to self-care, what they call self-care, you know, they keep mm-hmm. in their backpack. It can vary most times in the nurse's office, and all these kids should have an action plan. None of them, all of them should kind of be on the radar, you right. know, more or less. And so, again, new food allergens can certainly occur during the school year. Um, and you want to call fake food allergens or oral allergy syndrome or food pollen syndrome, which is where certain foods, especially raw fruits and vegetables, can cross-react with certain pollens and they can mimic food allergy symptoms. So it really kind of takes now just to tease that apart. Most 13, 14, 20-year-olds are not going to suddenly become allergic to right. raw apple, raw carrot, and raw. Those are usually cross-reactivities with pollens. Okay. So, but every person is an individual, so every person deserves an individual assessment. Yes. They're not just like their mom or just like their cousin or just like their neighbor. Everybody's different. So I would say- But is some of it hereditary? There is definitely a hereditary call. We call the, uh, you know, atopic history. In other words, uh, the allergy history. So if mom and dad had some form of allergies, whether it's pollen allergies or foods or eczema or asthma, in general, the children are much more likely to develop some one of those forms. So it's not one for one. Like mom had a panda allergy, kids one, two, two, <laughs> you know? All I know is my, my, when my little brother had all those allergies, he was also allergic to a bunch of dust and stuff. And I had to throw out like sure. half my comic book collection. I wasn't uh, happy, but I wanted to be healthy and I love my brother. You so, pull that over okay. Head right now, right? So, um, that was he, Spider-Man he, number he, one he, or something. He, he passed away a few years ago. Oh, so I'm so sorry. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> so, I didn't set you up for that. It was just, but that was very nice bad. of you to ask. That's but okay. That would be, you know, yeah, nice to uh, hold your other head. It's always the one that the mom threw out my special collector's yeah. item and now it's worth so much money. But I, I, I pointed that out to him. Yeah, yeah, I always tell the kids though, when when in doubt, leave it out of yeah. your mouth. Don't mm-hmm. eat it. Don't put it in your mouth. Don't do what I call the taste test, where they have a little and they wait and see. Oh, it tastes okay. We throw us the cookie. Mm. You know, it's just not. It's just not worth the trip to the ER. It's not worth you know the EpiPen. It's not worth the fear it induces. So. I always tell the parents, we cannot wrap these kids up in like a little bubble wrap and roll them around. They have to interact with life. We want them to normalize their life as much as possible. And honestly, it's very doable. Go play in the creek. Go well, play in the mud. Go goof around. Yeah, get outside. Get away. Put put the put the, the Nintendo down and go play. Yeah. So other than just being cautious, most of these children and, and having some knowledge and being prepared, Honestly, they can have a pretty doggone normal life, and there's no reason that they can't. They shouldn't be excluded. You know, there are, you know, children are kind of jerks, and they will pick on kids. And food allergy is actually a very common thing to be picked on and bullied about, and it's really unfortunate. There's absolutely nothing you can do about that. Well, I'll tell you what. You are absolutely great to talk to. I want you to come back around Christmas time so we can talk about Christmas tree allergies and that kind of stuff. No, you're talking about what? The sap and all that jazz? Yeah, yeah. That's a contact allergy. Okay, but I want to have that conversation around Christmas time. I'm spoiling it for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dr. Julie Mateo, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Tracy Family Foundation. Instant Replay is your local sports bar. With 18 big screen TVs, we have all the sports packages from college games to pro games. We offer daily drink specials and come check out the bullpen, our newly renovated beer garden. Instant Replay, 2739 Chestnut in Quincy. Are you looking for the perfect venue for your next special event? Check out Utopia Event Center. Utopia has a large banquet room and an awesome bar area, perfect for anything from birthday parties to formal corporate meetings. It also offers a photo booth, stage for a DJ or a live band, and a fully stocked bar, all for only $300. Check us out at utopiaeventcenter.com or call Barn at 217-430-6559 for more information. Utopia Event Center, 900 North 12th Street in Quincy. Coming up on Muddy River Gems, 
browse through the Easley Pioneer Museum in Ipava. Between Ipava and Bernadotte and Table Grove, there are hundreds, thousands of acres that were in the 40s devoted to training camp at Camp Ellis and a prisoner of war camp. Bill, we're looking at a picture of you now with your wife. Yes. On the day you were married. Yes. You were how old at that time? 19. You were 19. How old are you now? I'll soon be 99. 99. <laughs> How's your memory about Camp Ellis? Oh, I can remember everything. That's on the next Muddy River Gems, sponsored by Dot Foods. Welcome to the Abbey, a Quincy tradition. With six big screens, a new larger kitchen, and now more seating capacity, the Abbey is the place to be before, during, and after the big game. Come enjoy fan favorite appetizers, steaks, burgers, and a variety of daily food and drink specials. Can't join us? Carryout is available too. Now with the convenient drive-up window to better serve you. 1736 Spring in Quincy. Opens at 3 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. Come join all your friends at the Abbey, a Quincy tradition. My guest today is Dan Teefee with the Tracy Family Foundation. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Bob. Before we get into why you're here, I just want to say thank you for all the great work you've done. Uh, my wife is a teacher. I know she's gotten some scholarships from you, some money from you guys to do great things. And it makes her feel good in the fact that you, the way you guys really just do so much for our local schools, both public and parochial, and I just want to say thank you on their behalf. Absolutely. My wife's a teacher, and that work is, is definitely needed and one of the most important things anybody's called to. And, uh, yeah, again, uh, the Tracy Family Foundation just does just – the, the work is just beyond wonderful. We'll have a link to their page on this page that you'll be able to see after we're done talking about uh, why you're here and why are you here. I'm here – we have – one of our, our focus areas is families. And so we want to help families to be healthy and whole. And so we have an initiative that's coming up here in September that we're calling the Date Night Challenge. And our hope is to recruit churches to participate in encouraging the congregation and the public to go and have a date night one time a month in October, November, and December at the end of this year. And we're, uh, we're going to register for this on uh, the workshop's going to be on Thursday, September 7th. It's going to be in, Lo in Quincy, Mount Sterling, and Jacksonville. And again, all of these uh, will be on our website so you can see how to get to all of this. Now, when you're talking about churches, is this a non-denominational thing? Yes. Any church, any denomination can participate. And this is, the workshops are just interest. So we're trying to get congregants. It could be a pastor. You don't have to be a church leader to come, but you come to the workshop, learn all the information. It's going to be everything that you needed to run the, the date night. So there'll be promotional materials made available to the church and then date night resources that would include discussion questions, everything you'd need to do a great date night. With your spouse or significant other, I assume? Yes. Okay, because this is so funny when, uh, you know, my wife and I will go out on a date and we'll, once you get the how was your day and all that stuff, sometimes it gets into like, you know, you're, you're trying to think of something else to say, you know? I mean, you're, you're with each other all the time. You do so many things together. But, you know, in, in an effort to try to branch out and try to talk about something new, give me an example on what can be brought up in date night. Yes, so the discussion questions are key, as you know. And we follow, I have four kids. My wife and I try to do date nights, and sometimes the conversation just ends up on the exact same things, right, <laughs> over and over again. And so one of the discussion questions, the type of discussion questions usually draw some things deeper. Sometimes they're about history, 
And so someone, one of the questions might be, share our favorite memory together. What is your favorite time that we ever spent together in our marriage thus far? It could be about communication. Tell me about a time uh, that you felt like we weren't communicating very clearly in the last week. I thought this was supposed to be like a positive thing. <laughs> well, the goal is to lead towards positive conversation. Because that part, I'll be like, because my, my wife and I also do, um, we do an adoration chapel on a regular yeah. basis. We're Catholic, and so we'll go in there, and, and, you know, my wife always wants to talk. And I'm like, well, how about we just listen to a podcast? Or how about I just read some scripture or something? And uh, But then we do, you know, eventually she will break me down, and I will do that. But I think if it's, you know, again, I, when you're talking, you know, guys, a lot of guys for the most part aren't into the whole touchy-feely whatever. But I think uh, if you come up with some ways to make it more fun and creative, I think this sounds like a good idea. That's right. And sometimes when we're, we're kind of pushed into it, we know how valuable it is to our spouse, and so we're willing to do things that are important to them too. Yeah, I mean it is. It's it's a two way street, and uh, you know you say you have four kids, and my wife and I have three. Uh, now two of them are gone, gone, and one's in college, so we're close to. People say you're an empty nester. I don't think we're an empty nester until that last kid is out of college and and is getting his own paycheck. You know, it's kind of my thing. He, the, he you know he might have one foot out of the nest, but he's still got one foot in it. So, um, and again. Let's talk a little bit now about the foundation in general. How long has the uh, Tracy Family Foundation been around now? 25 years. So 1997, the Tracy Family Foundation was started by the second generation of the Tracy Family. And, of course, the trip, for those of you who don't know it, uh, most of you do, I'm sure, Dot Foods, uh, that was the Tracy Family. Robert and Dorothy Tracy are the ones who started it out of the back of his station wagon in Mount Sterling, and then it has grown to be a, a global company. It is uh, certainly one of the leading employers of the tri-state area, and it's all right there in Mount Sterling. And uh, again, the the Family Foundation was just a way for another way. I mean, the Tracys, obviously, when they started Dot Foods, you know, you, you've got all the, the thousands of jobs, hundreds of thousands of people who've worked there and, put, and provided you know, for their families, uh, put food on the table, literally put food on the table. And, but this, this foundation is just another way for, for the family to really give back. And, and the Tracy family's always been just really great about giving back to the community. Absolutely. As you, as you know, RT and Dorothy had a vision to start a business, but they also started a big family. They had 12 kids and they always believed that the business was a way to give back to the community. And so the foundation is really an outpouring of that vision we're the second generation and, and so big family care about families and this is a part of what we're trying to do in our region too once again register for the kickoff workshop uh they're going to be on thursday september 7th in the morning at quincy at lunchtime in mount sterling and the evening at jacksonville there is no cost so guys if you if you might need a little help in uh, trying to make you know don't duck your wife listen to her open up listen to what she has to say you know my wife's going to say this and she's going to throw some of the tv saying who are you to say that you know but uh, again it's it nothing nothing wrong with just getting away and having a nice evening for the two of you so uh Thank you very much for stopping by. We certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having us, Bob. That's all the time we have for now. I'm Bob Goff. We'll see you later. Muddy River News. Our home. Our news.